Welcome to the Fruit to Flourish podcast. I'm your host, Emily Uten. This is a show where we encourage you to be rooted in the Holy Spirit in order to flourish in your relationship with God. Join me as we use scripture to debunk lies that modern culture tells us. So pour your third cup of coffee and join in on the conversation. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, everyone. Coming in at the top of the podcast to correct myself on two things included in today's episode. The first one being uh, different versions of the Bible. Uh, The word I should have used is translation. So when you hear me mention version of the Bible, please know that I'm saying translation. The second thing is today when I referenced uh, the scripture, I say that Satan's strike did not kill Jesus. And what I mean to say is that Jesus did not stay dead. And lastly, I always want to enter this time in prayer and through my excitement, I forgot to do it in my original recording. So I'm going to do it here. Father, thank you so much for this time that I get to be in your word. Thank you for using me in this way, in this creative way, in this creative space. I pray for every listener that their heart would be open and that they would be willing to receive the sufficiency you offer. Thank you for this beautiful day. Amen. Welcome to the third episode of the podcast and the second part of the series we are in titled You Are Not Enough. Before we get started, I just wanted to say that whatever scripture I'm going through um, during each episode, I want to be sure that you are also going through it on your own. These podcast episodes are not meant to be your uh, main course if you will, during your spiritual journey with the Lord, these should only be um, dessert, uh, if that. Uh, These should just serve as other resources. This should not, cannot say that enough, these should not be the the main course. So I hope that you are also digging into scripture on your own and um, just listening to what the Lord has to say to you, because really what I'm doing here is sharing what the Lord is teaching me and hoping that it encourages you, the listener. So be sure that you're in scripture on your own. We have a bunch to cover today. So before we jump in, I'm going to give you a quick recap of last week so that you get a context. But if you want to go back and listen, you can head over to episode two and get the full beginning of this series. So last week we covered Galatians 5, 1 through 6, which is a letter that Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, and he's urging them not to be slaves to the law again. He's reminding them that it's by faith in Jesus that we receive salvation, not faith plus earthly works. We also learned that um, what the law was and why we needed it. And so again, if you want all of those details, just head back to episode two. Today, we're covering the prophecies of Jesus' birth, his coming, his birth, and his ministry. So first, we're going to jump into the prophecy of his coming. First, what is a prophecy? It's a prediction. And the prophets were appointed in the Bible by God. And these prophets um, were predicting the coming of Jesus, promising the people that there would be one true king. And we see this a lot in scripture. I'll put um, various scripture references in the show notes so that you can go back and read through those to see those promises and the way that uh, Jesus fulfilled them. But the one we're going to focus on today is Genesis 3.15. And this is the first time we see evidence of a prophecy from God. This is from God himself. And this verse is actually called proto-evangelism, which is actually 
the first gospel. This is the first time um, we see the promise of a savior. For more context, we're going to read uh, through 14 and 15. So this is what it says. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. There are a few natural questions that come up when we read this, but we know that God is speaking to Satan. We know that from verse 14 or the serpent, which is the form he took when he tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. And the woman he's referring to is Eve. So what's happening here and what has just happened is Satan has come in. Um, Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. God has finished this um, majestic creation uh, that is all there to glorify him. And the serpent has come in and has tempted Adam and Eve to eat of the tree of um, knowledge of good and evil. Eve takes the apple, she takes bite, she gives it to Adam, and they realize they are naked and they feel shame. And so this is actually also the first evidence we see that shame is not from God. Shame is revealed to us um, when sin entered the world. And so shame, shame is not from the Lord. A question that surfaced for me is what is enmity? And I'm actually dyslexic and this is a really tough word for me to read. So let me say it again. So I'm sure that you're all getting the right, um, the right pronunciation. It's enmity, E-N-M-I-T-Y. And that is the state or feeling of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. So some other uh, versions of the Bible uh, use the word enmity or hostility. The short explanation of this verse is that Satan will be the enemy, will always be the enemy of mankind. We will always be in a battle of good and evil. And we're promised that in Ephesians 6, 12, it says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So there are two prophecies that give us great hope, even amidst this um, this battle that we're in between good and evil. And that's where we're going to put our focus on today. So the first prophecy is this. It says, he will crush your head or bruise your head, which is telling us that the seed or offspring of the woman will crush the serpent's head, which is Satan. The second prophecy is this, you will strike or bruise his heel. That is to say the serpent will only bruise the heel of her offspring. We see this explained in the Amplified Version of the Bible, which you can have access to um, just in your Bible app. The striking of his heel is a picture of Satan wounding Jesus on the cross, but not killing him. We know that Jesus rose three days later, ultimately defeating death. And we'll talk about that in detail next week. But what does this verse show us? This verse promises the birth of Jesus, and it shows God's character, even from the beginning of time, that he desired so much to be with us, that he has already decided he'll be giving his son. It also shows his resurrection and his victory over evil. I've seen this verse read about 100 times in my life, and it always blew over my head because when you read it just straight from the Bible, it is sort of hard to understand. So I'm really thankful for mentors who take a hundred questions from me and for Bible-based research. I'm so, so thankful for that. And all of the resources I use will be in the show notes so you can access those as well. 
you want to see something really incredible, verse 15 says that the seed of the woman will crush Satan's head. And Jesus is literally the offspring of a virgin woman. Isaiah 7, 14, Matthew 1, 25, and Galatians 4, 4 all prophesy that Jesus will be born to a virgin. And we all know where babies come from. So this could only be explained by one word, and that is God. Scripture tells us that Jesus is the Son of God, and we know this because of Hebrews 1.3 and Colossians 2.9. Hebrews 1.3 says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And Colossians 2.9 says, The entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. So we know that Jesus is the human form of God. So we know Jesus is the Son of God because if he hadn't risen from the dead, his claims would have obviously been false. But he did rise from the dead and he did defeat death. So therefore, he's the Son of God. This would have made Genesis 3.15 a lie. And because we know God is perfect, he does not lie. We can rest knowing that Jesus is the one true true king that God promised at the beginning of time. We also know that he was born to a virgin named Mary. An angel appeared to her and told her what was to come. And I'm going to read this because it's pretty amazing. In Luke 1, 28 through 35, it says this, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Mary was favored by God, hand-picked by him to be the mother of Jesus. And that's incredible. What a weight she carried. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in a place where animals lived. You can imagine this to be a barn or a stable of sorts. A king came as the poorest of men to save the world. We don't have much evidence of Jesus' life except for the three years of his ministry. Uh, there is one story in the Bible where Jesus was pretty young. I think it says he was 12 and his parents lost him. He was um, at the temple and finally when they found him, he said, why would you not assume that I would be in my father's house? So outside of that, we don't have much record of his life. But we do know that during his ministry, his three-year ministry, he was baptized by John the Baptist. He was tempted in the wilderness because we know that he was man, fully man and fully God. He was tempted in the same ways that you and I are, as humans are tempted every single day. He uh, started his preaching ministry. He called his first disciples. There were 12 disciples and he performed a ton of miracles. The point of Jesus' ministry was to bring glory to God, his father, and fulfill the law. He wanted to draw people to him. Last week, we covered the need for the law. And that is so that we could be in his holy presence. To fulfill the law literally means to bring to completion. So when scripture tells us he came not to abolish the law, which would make God's word not everlasting, he came to fulfill and embody it. 
Jesus ministered to people for three years, teaching disciples and drawing sinners near to him. And next week, we'll dive into crucifixion and resurrection. Are you beginning to see why you're not enough? This message of enoughness, if we want to call it that, is so tempting, right? It's literally, it's everywhere. Every body positive book, every inspiring quote, it's on social media platforms all the time. And they want us to believe that we are enough. But I guess my question is like, why do they want us to believe this so much? And whether or not we realize that the enemy uses this super simple phrase to keep us from depending on God. Being enough, I'm using air quotes here, is so me-centric. And things being me-centric, that has been such a theme of conversations I've had recently. I I think the Lord is definitely revealing how me-centric our culture is, but our culture wants us to be defined by what we ourselves can accomplish so we can continue in this toxic spiral. It's almost a yo-yo diet, right? For the heart. We say like, oh, we're going to put on our big girl underwear. We're going to say we're enough and we're going to march into the world with our head held high. And then something happens and we get crushed. The crushing blow of reality that we aren't enough. To be enough is to be sufficient and we're far from it. And that's actually a good thing. If, If we were sufficient, if we were enough, we wouldn't need Jesus. Stop thinking about this life is about you. And start focusing on the one true king who paid the ultimate price for you. And I'm I'm talking to you, the listener, whoever is listening to this, the woman listening in the carpool line or, you know, walking her dog in the park, the one debating her value, the one struggling with depression and anxiety, the one who seemingly has it all together, but inside is crumbling, the one who's selling drugs, the one who's selling herself one who's losing it on her kids and the one who's in a failing marriage, the one who's struggling with direction after college, the one who's searching for purpose, he died for you. So hear this. You have a purpose on earth and it is to bring God glory. It's not about you being enough or being sufficient because you aren't and you never will be. And that's an incredible gift because you didn't have to die on the cross You get to be adopted by your creator undeservingly. He's offering you his sufficiency, literally offering it with his hand, his palm open, saying, take it, accept me. All you have to do is trust him. So I guess I'm wondering, what are you waiting for? If you haven't trusted Jesus, why? I think it goes without saying Christ is more than enough. And next week, we're going to talk about why. Hey friends, and thanks for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you are enjoying it, please consider hitting subscribe or leaving a quick review and maybe even sharing an episode with a friend, not for my own praise, but so that others can find the podcast and learn along with us. If you have questions, suggestions, or prayer requests, please shoot me an email. My email address is in the show notes. I would love to hear from you. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Emily Uten, where you'll really just get to know me and learn my life chaos. So I'll see you friends next week. Happy flourishing.